morning, good afternoon, sorry. <laughs> First Kings chapter 22, can turn there, and we'll read verses 1 to 28. You have to forgive me if I sound a little weak, I do feel that way. <laughs> Been fighting a uh, stomach bug the past two days, so forgive me for that. First Kings 22, this is God's word. Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight at Ramath Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about four hundred men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There still is one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. The king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on the robes, sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenaanah, had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. Then the messenger who had gone to Kamakiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen. The words of the prophets with one, are with one accord. Encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. And Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war with, against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master, that each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. 
And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So no one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, In what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now Zedekiah, the son of Chenaanah, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Which way did the spirit from the Lord go for me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into the an inner chamber to hide. So the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Amon, the governor of the city, and Joash, the king's son, and, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction until I come in peace. But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word is a rock. And everything else in this world is sand. Shifting sand. Allow us, Lord, to be, to build our homes, to build our lives on the rock of Christ and on his word. Open our ears, Lord, our eyes to see marvelous things and to hear marvelous things in your word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> James Montgomery Boyce um, tells of a story. He writes about it. He talks about a young man that was saved in his congregation. And he goes off to war. And on his, on, he, right before he goes to war, he gets converted. And on his way home... He's scared. He's scared because he's scared to go back home to his old life, to his old friends. And he's scared of compromise. He doesn't want to compromise his new faith in Christ. So as a result, he has a mission. He comes home and he says, the first 10 people that I see from my past life, I'm going to tell them that I'm a Christian. And he goes on to meet somebody, um, a, 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 a lady she, uh, he knew on the, on the, on the train. And um, he says, the greatest thing that could possibly happen to me has happened. And then she said, you're engaged to be married. He said, no, he told her. It's even better than that. I've taken the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. The girl's expression froze. She mumbled a few polite words and went on her way. A short time later, the new Christian met a young man whom he had known before going into the service. It's good to see you're back, he declared. We'll have some great parties now that you've returned. I've just become a Christian, the soldier said. He was thinking, that's two. Again, it was a case of a frozen smile and quick change of conversation. After the same um, the same circumstances were repeated with the young couple and with two more old friends. 
By this time, word had got around, and soon some of his friends stopped seeing him. He had become peculiar, religious, and um, peculiar religious, and who knows? They may even have called him crazy. What had he done? Nothing but confess Christ. The same confession that had aligned him with Christ had separated him from those who did not want Jesus Christ as Savior and who, in fact, did not even want to hear about him. What I love about this story is this young, this young man's propensity. He knows that he is prone to compromise, especially as a new Christian. And the, my question to you is, do you know all right, do you know how prone you are to compromise? How easy it is to compromise your faith? And that's what we have here in 1 Kings. We have a story where four people, or four, one of them is a group of people, they have this opportunity to compromise their faith. But first, before I get to that, I want to just say, um, Set the context straight. And I think the first three verses does that well. It says, Three years have passed without war between Syria and Israel. Now you can read about this in chapter 20, where Ben, king of Syria, makes war with Ab, the king of Israel. But verse 2 says, Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. So Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. Ahab is the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. Now, if you know anything about Ahab, was he a good man or a bad man? Bad, wicked man. You can read in just a few chapters, and in, in starting in chapter 17, Actually, 16. Actually, turn there. Um, chapter 16, verse 29. It says, In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Om- Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria be- 22 years. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam of Nabat, he took as wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the And he went and Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wounded image Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. This is a wicked man. If you keep reading in verse 17, on verse, I mean chapter 20, 21, he kills a person just to have his vineyard, right? We know that story. And so Ahab is a wicked, wicked man. But as, we, as our brother Matthew read, Jehoshaphat was a righteous king. <clears throat> it says in verse 43 of chapter 22, 
Jehoshaphat, he walked in all the ways of his father, and he did not turn aside from them, doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. So what is this righteous king, Jehoshaphat, is doing visiting Ahab in Samaria? Well, there's a parallel text in Second Chronicles 18, and the scripture describes that he had allied himself with Ahab by marriage. The son of Jehoshaphat was, um, we read um, earlier here, um, Jehoram. Jehoram was given into marriage with Ahab's daughter, Ataliah. And you can read about that later, how Ataliah later will go on to seize the, the throne, and she will start killing her own grandchildren and almost uh, destroy David's lineage. But the Lord doesn't pre- um, prevent that from happening. And so we already see things are not okay here. There's already some compromise here with Jehoshaphat. And the king of Israel is trying to, as it says in Second Chronicles 18 in the parallel passage, he's trying to persuade him to go to Ramoth Gilead, to go to war with him. And I find it interesting in verse 3, that the king of Israel is saying these things about Ramoth Gilead to his servants. He's not saying them to Jehoshaphat. And I can just picture Ahab creating a scene. Kind of just his servants and people before him. And he's like, hey, do you guys know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we just, we're just weak. We haven't gone and taken land back from them. Probably his servants are like, what? Are you serious? Not, that's, not, that's not acceptable. You know, he's, he's creating a scene trying to manipulate Jehoshaphat. That's how I read the text. And so finally, Jehoshaphat is presented with this question. Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat has to make a decision. Will I go? Compromise my purity, my relational purity, if you, if you can say that, right? To, and, and go to war with this wicked pagan king, or will I be faithful to the Lord? And we will see four individuals, or one of them is a group, that will pre- be presented with the same kind of question. Will you compromise your faithfulness? Will you compromise your calling? And we'll go through that. And I've th- those four individuals, or one of them is a group, um, I've four points. And I've done it in alliteration style, so maybe you guys can remember. But number one is judicious Jehoshaphat. Number two is the pandering prophets. Number three is masculine Micaiah. And four is arrogant Ahab. So number one, judicious Jehoshaphat. That a little sarcastically, right? Because we had already established he has already compromised some of his uh, um, his calling. It looks like if, as we read chapter twenty-two that he is doing the noble thing. Hey, I'll go with you, right? But first, inquire of the Lord. We want to hear what God has to say about these things. But even after that. Even after Micaiah speaks and gives the right word of the Lord, he still goes with him. Look what it says in 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. 
After Micaiah, the true prophet, says, you're all going to die. And so it seemingly looks like he's being judicious, doing the noble thing. Well, let's inquire of the Lord. But look what he says in verse 4. So Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people as your people, my horses as your horses. Think of that. Would you say that to King Ahab? I mean, would you say that to the, the president of Planned Parenthood? I am as you are. This is, this is the kind of, Jehoshaphat, what are you doing? And he will be rebuked by his own servant. And we'll, uh, I'll, I'll go to that in a little bit. He is uniting himself with darkness. Uniting himself with, we just read in 2 Corinthians, what does Christ have to do with uh, Belial, right? What does light have to do with darkness? And Jehoshaphat, almost in, in a naive way, saying, maybe probably thinking, maybe I can save Ahab. Maybe I can redeem him from his sin. Compromise his purity. Turn to um, 2 Chronicles 19. This is when Jehoshaphat returns from his failed efforts to uh, uh, regain Ramoth Gilead with Ahab. Verse 1, 2 Chronicles 19. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to the king of Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Jehoshaphat is met with rebuke from this man. What are you doing? Do you love those who hate the Lord? And we are all tempted to fall into the sin of Jehoshaphat. Living in this world, there's temptation all around us to compromise our faith. Perhaps in our family mem- or some of our family members inciting us to sin with them, to gossip with them. Our friends, uh, um, you know, we, we want to please them. People pleasing, right? This is what Jehoshaphat has fallen into. So this is the Holy Spirit writing this, put, put, inspiring the author to warn us. Do not compromise your purity, your associational purity, if we can say. But not only that. After that, he inquires the prophets. Verse 5 says, Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead? To fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver into your hand the king. And now we're introduced to these pandering prophets. Clear, clearly, these are false prophets, right? Um, essentially, they're yes men, 
right? Whatever the king wanted to hear, they're like, yeah, yeah, go for it, go for it. Not only that, but they were okay with his Baal, his worship of Baal. It just looks like they're just for the king. Whatever the king does, whatever lifestyle he lives, whatever he wants to do, we're cool with it. Go ahead the, and, and look at the language that they use. The Lord will deliver it into your hand. There in verse 6, it's L, capital L, lowercase O-R-D, Elohim, right? God will deliver into the hand of the king. But in verse 11, Zedekiah says, uh, he, he builds the horns, right? And he says, thus says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Jehovah, invoking the covenant name of Jehovah. These guys are wicked liars. Thus says the Lord, Jehovah, with these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied. So saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord Jehovah will deliver it to the king's hand. If you read um, chapter 19, you don't have to turn there. I just want to make sure that's chapter 18 of 1 Kings. And Elijah, right? Elijah and Mark Karma with the 400 prophets of Baal. I mean, I love that story, right? Probably should have picked that text. But it, it, it's, it's a great story, right? And he says in 18... Uh, excuse me, he says, Then Elijah said to the people, I am alone left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. One against 450, and you know the story. But where were these prophets? Where were these prophets that are in front of Ahab in, in that time? It wasn't that long ago. And Ahab was king in that time in chapter 18. Where were these prophets if they are the prophets the Lord, and this is where we see their false prophets. They're clearly lying. Not only that, but they get mad at Micaiah for when he speaks the true word of God. They strike him in the cheek. Zedekiah strikes Micaiah in the cheek for exposing them. We must pray for our elders, our pastors. Because like prophets, they're called to proclaim and herald the unadulterated word of God. Especially in these times where there is a pressure in the clergy to conform to the ways of the world. Before LGBTQ, before uh, mandated vaccines, before all these pagan ideas. And it's insane that so many, some of them I thought were sound Pastors and teachers have fallen into the trap. They've compromised their holy calling to fit in because they don't want to get anybody mad. They, they don't want uh, um, um, to, to get the culture mad. And they've compromised their holy calling to tickle the ears of men. Perhaps these prophets were in fear of Ahab. If, if they did not give the word that Ahab wanted, like Micaiah, they would be thrown in jail. They would suffer for doing what is right. And that is, uh, Micaiah is an example to us all, as we will see, to, to speak the truth, it doesn't matter what the consequences are. But these prophets show us what not to do. And so we see these pandering prophets. 
But then we're introduced to the hero, right? And so they call for Micaiah. Look, 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 I love what the king of Israel, Ahab, says about Micaiah. Jehoshaphat kind of can tell, kind of can sniff the, the false prophetiness of these false prophets, right? He's like, is there anybody else? Because these guys are like, yes, man. You know, is there, is there, these, all of them are saying, go to war, go to war. And Jehoshaphat is like, is there anybody else? Because this is, this is kind of weird, right? Let's hear the true word of God. A true prophet. Is there anybody else? Ahab, verse 6, the king of Israel. Uh, sorry. So the king, verse 8. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man. Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. Yeah, there is. There is this, this Micaiah, son of Imlah, but, but I hate him. <laughs> because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but only evil. See, in Ahab's mind, prophecy against his plans are evil. This is a pagan, wicked king. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. Basically saying, bring him out. Let's see what he has to say. So they go, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, quickly. And we're introduced to Micaiah through this conversation with the messenger. The messenger goes out, kind of running to get Micaiah. You can already tell Micaiah is different because he wasn't there with the prophets. He didn't associate with them. So verse 13 says, Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encouraged the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. The ESV says, speak favorably. Right? Pander to the king. Do say what he wants you to say. Just come on, because we just want everybody to be happy. Micaiah. We just want the king to, to, to leave us alone, basically. He's presented with this temptation. Jehoshaphat is presented with, will you compromise your purity? The pandering prophets are presented, will you speak the truth of God or will you compromise and tell lies? And Micaiah is presented with that same proposition. Will you give the word of the Lord? Or will you give the word that Ahab wants to hear? Micaiah. That's why I picked masculine Micaiah, right? Or manly Micaiah, right? And Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. I don't know why I imagine Micaiah as like a, a young, skinny guy, right? Just kind of dropping in the court of Ahab and he's just like, all right, what's up, you know, and... That's kind of what happens. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead? Or shall we refrain? And he answered him, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. He's being sarcastic. and the, uh, It's obvious to the king. How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Seriously, Micaiah, come on. And he says, you're all going to die. Verse 17 says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep if they have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these 
have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. Micaiah is fearless. As we read in 14, he only speaks what the Lord says to him. He is bold. See, for Micaiah, speaking favorable things to the king of Ahab is not good. Only speaking what the Lord gives him to speak is good. Turn to Ephesians chapter, um, sorry, 1 Corinthians 16. This is why I picked masculine Micaiah. First Corinthians sixteen. The Apostle Paul gives this gives this um, instruction to uh, uh, um, to the church. Now I'm reading out of the New King James, so sorry if it's very different from yours. He says, "Watch." Stand fast in the faith, act like men, and be strong. It, it seems that Paul is, is these, everything that he says here can be summarized to have masculine tendency or virtue, to be watchful, right? As a man, as a protector of home, of, of women and children, he is to watch, he is to be alert. Stand fast in the faith. Or stand firm in the faith. Now, a man should should a, a man of God should stand firm in what he believes and not uh, be effeminate and be tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. Amen. He should stand fast in the faith, and lastly, he should be strong. Be strong. And he's saying, act like men. Now, I'm not saying that woman can't be bold and. And, and or none of that, right? They could be bold in their femininity and stand up for Christ. But clearly, the role of shepherds, the role of even prophets, the, um, if you discount Deborah, well, we, we can we can look at that. But there were all men, and men are called to lead, and the the, the word of love would come to prophets that were men. And it's almost like Paul is saying that to the whole church probably directed to the elders, act like men, stand strong, stand firm in the faith, be watchful. And Micaiah is a great example of that. We look at biblical examples. I mean, think about Micaiah. He's the only one saying something different than these 400 prophets. Look what verse 18 says. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Didn't I tell I hate this guy, right? He never prophesies good concerning me. And Micaiah, he's just doubling down. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. And he gives this vision of heaven, right? And, and God is there with all the hosts of heaven before him. And God wants to Destroy Ahab. He's probably had enough of him. His patience has run out. And he says, who will go out and convince Ahab to go to war with Ramoth Gilead? 
And finally, the, the lying spirit, right? Uh, John MacArthur says that this might have been a demon, right? As we see in Job, that there were the courts of the angels, right? The court of heaven. And there was even Satan was there in heaven before the Lord. So perhaps uh, it, it, it was a, a lying demonic spirit that entered the, the, uh, the bodies of, of these men. They're going to go out and they're going to deceive the king. They were going to say lies so that Ahab would go to war and die in battle. And I love what Micaiah is saying here. All of these prophets have a lying spirit. Do you see these 400 prophets, Ahab? They're all lying. I'm the only guy that's saying the truth. And we see this throughout history. Think of some biblical examples, one against many, right? Noah, 120 years building with his family, believing in what the Lord had, had spoken to him, probably being ridiculed, being mocked. Moses against Pharaoh in Egypt. Even Israel at times were against Moses, right? Elijah and the 400 prophets of Baal. The apostles, 12 men against the world. See, God loves the drama. He loves to, uh, God is a God who loves to build up the drama. And the, he loves a good story of underdog, right? Think of Christ, a man from Nazareth. Nazareth. He's born in a manger. And, he, he, and on, he lives a perfect life and people hate him for it. And on the cross of Christ, he the wrath of God is poured out on him. One man against all the sin of his elect. Think of historical figures, Athanasius. I, I t- entitled this message, Micaiah contra mundum, right? Micaiah against the world. And that, um, that phrase is, is given to Athanasius. Athanasius contra mundum, right? As he stood for the deity of Christ when everybody else was accepting the Arian heresy that Christ was a created creature. Think of Martin Luther as we celebrate next week uh, the Reformation before the, in the Diet of, of Worms, right? And saying, will you recant all these things you have written? He's saying, my conscience is captive, captive by the word of God. All of these are examples of us to stand firm for what the Scripture teaches, what the Lord says. I love the prayer in Acts 4. You won't have to go there. The prayer for boldness. Because at times, I'm not like Micaiah. I don't know about you. But sometimes I read Romans 1.16. Our dear brother preached on that a few months ago. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. The only time I, 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 there's times where I read that text, there's been times I've been very ashamed of the gospel. And I need boldness. And I need the Spirit. Look what this prayer of the apostles. Next chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, 
Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of the Lord with boldness. Isn't that amazing? Oh, I pray that there would be an earthquake inside all of us. That GBC would be a beacon of light and of truth in this community. We as Christians will be like Micaiah and said, I will only speak what the Lord has given me to speak and nothing else. We need men and women like that. Our children need parents like that. Our youth needs examples like that. Have you ever read in James, one of my favorite verses? He says, Elijah was just a man. Elijah, calling fire down from him, he was just a man who believed what God told him, who believed what God had told him. We are just mere men, but God has decided to be the means, uh, to use us as the means, as the vehicles, as the instruments to bring His glory to earth, salvation to His elect. What a privilege. But what a task, an impossible task, I might add. And apart from the Holy Spirit, there will be no boldness like the one Micaiah has. Apart from his spirit, we are weak, we are ashamed, we are afraid, we are fearful of man. And so let us pray for boldness. And lastly, We'll look at arrogant Ahab. Arrogant Ahab. Oh, uh, before, before we get to Ahab, uh, look what happened to Micaiah. The prophets probably went on their merry day. Nothing wrong. Nothing happened to them. Probably kept prophesying false prophecies to the kings. But Micaiah was thrown in jail. We're going through First Peter in our Spanish community group. And just over and over, this theme of suffering for doing good. And how Peter is just reminding him over and over, it is good to suffer if you're doing the right thing. And Micaiah is thrown in jail. And he's fed, the, the, my version says, the, the, the bread of affliction and the water of affliction. Until I, until I come back, he says, feed him the, the bread of affliction, the water of affliction, until I come in peace. At times, doing the right thing, saying the right thing, will cause it to be canceled, <laughs> using the word that we hear a lot today. And we have to be okay with that. I'm canceled for the glory of God. But I'm accepted in His arms. I'm accepted by Him, good and faithful servant. Those are the words we want to hear. And so lastly, arrogant Ahab 
He throws him into jail. Take Micaiah, in verse 26, and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city of Joash, the king's son. doesn't matter what Micaiah said. He already established that he hates Micaiah. He does not prophesy concerning good about him. And so, verse 29, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And we just read, our, our brother Matthew, what happened? Ahab tries to be sneaky about it, right? Uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, you wear my clothes, you wear my robe, so that people won't try to get at me. Because Micaiah already told them, right, that the Lord, in verse 22, said, the Lord, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, in verse 20, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall, that he may die at Ramoth Gilead? So he has this plot, Jehoshaphat, where wear my armor, where my my um my uh my what does it say put but you put on my robes right and so the king of Syria sees the robe of Ahab they start following Jehoshaphat get him he's the king of Israel he's Ahab get him and as they find out that's not him they turn around and what's crazy is the sovereignty of God right at random as the scripture says. Somebody throws a bow, and it hits Ahab right between his armor, and he bleeds out. And the prophecy that the prophet in, in, in chapter 21, that um, as, as um, Naboth, if you remember the story, the dogs licked up his blood. So it shall be to you, and to you Ahab and Jezebel, that the dogs lick up your blood. And that's what exactly what happened. See, Ahab had a the the one the the question presenting Ahab was, "Will you continue to compromise your soul?" Perhaps this was God's last effort that he would repent. Perhaps, but clearly, Ahab lived a life where he would compromise over and over his life to sin, to Baal, to false gods, to his wife Jezebel. Ahab wanted his will rather than God's. Isn't that what Jesus said? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? That reminds me of Ahab. And perhaps you can identify with these three characters. Jehoshaphat, perhaps you are tempted to compromise your purity. Dabbling in sin. You're, you're a believer, you, you, you're walking with Christ, but there's a certain temptation that you have that you seem to go towards that. And, and, and maybe something, a person or something in your life that you don't want to get rid of. You like it. And it causes you to compromise your calling as a Christian. Perhaps you, you're... you're Tempted to compromise the truth of God like these prophets, these false prophets. And there's fear of man in you and, and you, you, you're, you want to people please. Perhaps it's difficult for you to be like Micaiah. To be bold. It doesn't, and it's something that you struggle with. Or perhaps you're here and you're like Ahab. You're just lost you've lived your whole life compromising your soul to the things of this world the flesh the devil 
and you need salvation. Well, there is a way. It doesn't have to be like that, amen? Christ has not only saved us from a lifestyle that was against him, he has saved us from our sin, he has saved us from the power of sin, from condemnation of sin. But not only that, but he has adopted us, has uh, promoted us to heralders and uh, what is the word in 2 Corinthians 5? Um, ambassadors of Christ. That it is possible that God answers the prayer that the, the apostles prayed in Acts chapter 4. That if you ask for God for boldness, He will give it to you. And He will use you for His glory. So that's my prayer today that we would seek the Lord, that we would seek to only please Him, to not compromise. If you're here without Christ, there is no way, no way that you can please God with your efforts. There's no way that you can earn your way to heaven. There's no way you must be born again. You must have a new heart implanted in you, a new spirit, new affections, new eyes, so that you might see the King of glory and see how beautiful He really is, how worthy He is to live your life. Repent of your sin, turn to Christ, and He is faithful, and you will find Him to be a precious and beautiful Savior. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for sustaining me my health. But Lord, I pray that there would be an earthquake in our spirits. How prone I am, Lord. How prone we are, Lord, to fear men. How prone we are, Lord, to want to people please and live this normal Christian life without sharing the gospel, without sharing to others and being bold. Forgive us, Lord, for being ashamed of you. As we think of Micaiah, let us think of you. You are the one who stood um, before Satan and our sin and rescued us. Let us follow you, God, and embolden us by your Spirit to speak your word wherever we go and be unashamed. We can only do this by the help of your Spirit, Lord. So I pray for my church. A GBC might be that church. And go out through our communities. Give us opportunities with our neighbors. Opportunities with our coworkers. With people that we meet at school or at work. Help us, Lord. We are so weak. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.